Hi, Trait listeners. Before we get into the show, we just want to announce that this is our 50th episode. We wouldn't be here without you. So we're so excited to get into it and we have lots of fun things to come. So thank you for listening and let's get right into it. Hey, Simply Trait listeners. Ever wondered if Andy's memory is truly shorter than a turtle's tail? Got a show-related story that's worth sharing? Now's your chance. Introducing the first ever Simply Trade Fan Roundtable. We're calling for listeners to come on to the show for a special episode featuring you, our amazing listener. Connect with fellow trade professionals, exchange opinions, and contribute your valuable insights to the show and the world of trade compliance. Ready to join? Go to www.gtc.trade/pod for details. Don't miss the chance to join the Simply Trade Fan Roundtable. Welcome, trade professionals. We're back with another weekly roundup um, with the best trade, I mean, knowledge you could possibly get, not from me, but from my fellow hosts. Um, so again, we're just talking about news happening this week. The biggest ones I could find, they're also on our LinkedIn page, Global Training Center. If you want to check them out, we will also link them below. And if you have any articles that you find interesting, send them to us. We'll talk about them. I'll question them because I probably won't understand it. And then, yeah, so have fun listening. Get yourself something to drink, beer, wine, water, whatever you feel like. And, you know, just chill with us. So um, I have a few, uh, by the way, hi, Andy. Hi, Lalo. Sorry. Totally forgot. <laughs> totally forgot we have some other people here. Okay. Well, and actually you're going to hear more from them than from me, but I want to discuss this first article. I found it actually on LinkedIn. Someone had posted it and um, we reposted it because it just was a cool article, to be honest, for me to read. It was pretty interesting. Um, it talks about how Hong Kong is over and um, they basically told us that this would be happening four years ago and people are kind of wishy-washy like no Hong Kong is still big in the trade news like we we're still great partners we're still doing business but apparently it's going down so um, so I kind of want to question it what is your take on Hong Kong and what is the shift after these four years how could they detect this and is Hong Kong really over? Let's let's question this article. <laughs> it definitely I, well. All right. First off, let's let's put things back in perspective. Hong Kong was the the economic business center for Asia, for uh, Western companies and and whatnot for capitalism for all of that. It was a thriving um, economy over there, and uh, it was phenomenal. That said, when the British lease of Hong Kong, now the Brits conquered, you know, or, or captured uh, the, the Hong Kong area, and <clears throat> there was a hundred year lease that was uh, put together. That hundred year lease expired, and the control of Hong Kong went from British rule over to China. Now, China, uh, and we're talking mainland China, China at the time said, it will continue to operate uh, just like it is. Quite frankly, really, 
very few people really believe that deep down. They said, we'll see how this goes. Well, here we are. This guy has written an article that we're talking about. And uh, his, uh, his name is what? Dan Harris has written this article. And he apparently made a prediction back in 2019, which is four years ago, that Hong Kong is no more. It's uh, it's over with. So if you've got business here or, or located here, whatever, you're going to need to start looking elsewhere. And everybody uh, got the that that got their knickers in a knot and over it, and and was upset with it, whatever. Well, he's done a follow up article, and basically is vindicated because it is. It's if you've seen Hong Kong, uh, main, uh, has. Uh, their their main government has been replaced now with Chinese nationals. Uh, there's no longer the freedom of speech, no longer the freedoms uh, that you would traditionally see in a democracy over there. And they've been slowly been whittled away. And even some of the leaders of the uh, uh, democratic left uh, effort have been jailed in uh, by the Chinese government folks. So now where you're at is if you are going to do business in Hong Kong or are doing business in Hong Kong, you need to be looking at moving away is what this uh, fellow says, because no longer are people wanting to do contracts with, if there's a dispute, you could used to, uh, you used to be able to use Hong Kong as an arbitration location. Not anymore. And uh, so it's basically, even though it says Hong Kong now and all, it is is just basically the Chinese government. You put anything in there, your IPR uh, uh, rights are not respected. And uh, it's just it's the way things are going. You're going to lose your patents. You're going to lose your, uh, your, your goods. And it's just continuing to whittle away. So even though it says Hong Kong, it's no longer preferred uh, – preference it's uh it's it's all that is becoming more and more restricted now because of what they're doing does that make sense yeah no it does no it definitely does lalo how does um i mean okay people that are doing business with china right now right let's say they're doing major business that's all they're doing and it's basically trickling down what can they do? Is there any like compliance issues already that they have to take care of? Like, is it, I, I mean, what is the stance on that? It's more or less what the guy is saying on the article. I mean, he, he's, he's made a lot of good points on, you know, if your contracts use Hong Kong as arbitration, <laughs> yeah, you better go back and revisit those contracts. Cause, um, you know, you're not you're not having Hong Kong arbitrate for you. You're having uh, China arbitrate for you, uh, or do the arbitration. I'm sorry. Um, you know, like like uh, how enforceable are those contracts? You know, you uh, how enforceable are trade agreements that you might have, or 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 um, anything that you might have with trade that you might have done. You know, again. It's just pretty much up in the air, as Andy said. Just in summary, on my end, is really just um, the article lays it out really well, and yeah. uh, and he's he's pretty right. I guess my follow up more than anything is I'm going to try to get this guy on the on the podcast just so we can talk a little bit more. See if we can interview talk with him. I, yeah. I will yeah. say this, uh, and 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 uh, Anik, I, I'm going to ask. I know we have our three articles, and the third article, I think 
we ought to, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about it because it goes in hand with this very thing of uh, okay. talking about the Hong Kong. Let's let's go about that one. So it says, so feds, right, police have seized nearly one billion in goods tied to forced labor since June. So what I'm getting is that there's been a lot of products or whatever they have seized, and it's been standing still somewhere, wherever. Um, and they haven't been able to move it because supposedly it's tied to forced labor. This is, they're talking about bed stuff. They're talking about all these weird things. I don't know if I find it in the article, I'll, I'll say it, but I have a few questions. I mean, first of all, it sounds crazy to me. 1 billion in forced labor products, like just kind of crazy. Right. So first of all, how do you want to tie that to the first one? Well, all right. So here, here, here's the thing. So what we're looking at is again, there are components of things that are being manufactured. And here's the thing. Yeah. All right. So a billion dollars worth of goods have been seized by CBP, by U.S. Customs, for that contained either items of forced labor, the raw goods, or completely was manufactured by forced goods. Well, as you look at it. Then you go on down and it looks to see where very few of these, this billion dollars of value of goods uh, came directly from China. Matter of fact, only about $80 million worth. What was most intriguing, this is where I'm going to make my point, is it says here $461 million worth of goods came out of Malaysia and $370 million came out of Vietnam. So here's the scenario is that China is obviously smart where, the, you know, the, the uh, anti-slavery type, uh, forced labor type uh, legislation. So they're taking their goods and taking the wrong goods and sending them to other countries for manufacture. And the goods are manufactured, hence Malaysia, hence Vietnam. And uh, that then the goods are coming in. So the raw goods are coming in. So here's here's where I'm going to. The first deal was Hong Kong was a major manufacturing location, right? Uh, for a lot of goods and, and all of that. China now has gotten control over Hong Kong. So now there you go. You, you wind up having some problems. Now, one of the things in the way back... Mainland China used to send a lot of goods to Hong Kong. There were some nefarious folks, and they would come out as if it were a Kong, Hong Kong manufactured product. So there was some fraud in that. It was mislabeled uh, from a country of origin. That was in the older days. People would look at it. They'd get in trouble. They'd got away with it for a while, and then all of a sudden, wham, they, their goods would be seized because it was actually true China goods. Now... China's sending their goods to Malaysia and Vietnam. It's manufactured there. Then it comes on. And so, you know, they're finding it's it's not directly China, it's indirect. If you're doing sourcing, hence back to what we were saying, if you've got offices in Hong Kong, you got staff there, you're going to be looking for other locations. A lot of people want to go to Singapore or Vietnam or different areas. I get that. But understand that even in Singapore, in Malaysia, in um Vietnam, China has a great deal of influence there. So that's what you got to be careful of is that out of all of this, you may move directly out of Hong Kong in a sense or directly out of China in some cases if you're trying to avoid this. But you also have to be aware and set up safeguards that China 
does not send you, you know, bad goods if that's your source or whatever else. So that's where I'm going with this is that in the first one, probably ought to look at getting out of Hong Kong. But the second thing is these other locations, um, you got to do the due diligence. Case in point, I'm Malaysia and the goods are China origin. And then all of a sudden they're Uyghur and all of a sudden you lose all your goods. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I see where you're making this connection now. I mean, all I feel like all of those places are kind of fishy places where you really have to dig into your compliance and dig up those papers and know what you're doing and know where they're coming from and whatnot. I, I feel like now I've heard enough to kind of understand what it's all about. I think more than a person that maybe doesn't hear all this stuff. I feel like this goes into compliance, definitely what we talk about in our podcast original episodes, um, they do a great job um, having awesome people on there, uh, funny moments, um, but also very knowledgeable no- moments. So definitely go check those episodes out, binge them, whatever you want to do. Before bed, I like to listen to mine before bed. Maybe not all of them trade, but you know, it's always um, a great time for me. So our last one is pretty interesting to me. It got my attention because it's talking about digital transformation. Now, I feel like um, I'm a little bit different when it comes to digital, digitally. Like, I don't know if they're, we're talking, we're on the same page here, me and the article. But it says, will the threat of electronic duties stifle digital transformation? For two decades, WTO members have upheld a pledge not to put tariffs on data flows. That transformative policy is now at risk. And then it mentions that global exports of digitally delivered services have grown in value nearly fourfold since 2005. And then it basically outpacing goods and other services exports. So first of all, I want to ask what kind of digitally delivered services are we talking about here? Let's clear this one first up. You're 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 thinking of like your personal stuff, which is music, maybe digital books, audio books, and stuff like that. You you now need to think about business to business. So now the big stuff. So software companies that might sell a software to do let's let's just talk about trade compliance a, a trade compliance software company is selling their solution to somebody and 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 they're using it in in a foreign country I mean, the one that they were talking about in this article is malaysia was it yeah i think indonesia oh wait is it indonesia no, so yeah it was yeah, indonesia. indonesia yeah Indonesia. So Indonesia is like one of the first brave ones to say that they're imposing uh, duties on, on digital uh, yeah, tariffs. But so so but imagine that. I mean, you're talking about a two or three dollar song that you're downloading. But look at these guys. They're, we're talking about half a million and up or, you know, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and up. So that's how it is outpacing like some products because of that you see we're we're talking millions and millions of dollars yeah but so you used to be you would take software and it would be delivered on cds or dvds or whatever and you would load that up that's why i don't get it because i'm not that doesn't like really pertain to my um generation here's a perfect no it does (laughs) yeah it's it's like but now here's here's a good example okay so you got a laptop um, yeah. Let's say that you want to get a um, 
a photo imaging editing software, a photo editing software. So you go online and you, and what, what happens? You go in, you find it, you download that. There you go. So it may be a company in the U.S. that has this great thing or anywhere. It doesn't matter, but anywhere in the U.S. or, or anywhere in the world. And they offer this online. You click on the link. It starts downloading. That's being digitally delivered to you. Yeah. Wait, so are we also talking about apps possibly? Everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what so, we're talking about. So yeah. basically, so this, so this article, while it is very technical oriented, I would say, and you know, trade, blah blah blah, this would affect a lot of people, basically everyone. Oh, correct? tremendously. Yeah. So this oh, yeah. should See, also what's be happening in different is- news articles. I feel like this should also be more in the open world. Kind of letting us know, hey, your app that you are downloading, you might have some tariffs on it. Or, I mean, you know, might be more expensive now because of the tariffs. But the WTO, that's why it says that they they have held back on creating any rules or anything on charging or, or putting any tariffs on that because... Well, first of all, I think it's going to be a little hard to 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 manage or or control. I mean, because you're not physically, you're not physically crossing a border. You, you, well, you are, but you're not. I mean, it's not a tangible product, right? I guess, Andy. I mean, it's nothing that you physically are gonna that customs can see. It's oh, here it came in. You know what I mean? That it's getting downloaded, like like we said, right? And see, it's not going to be a customs clearance scenario. What what this is is purely revenue. And see, the thing that I guess that I look at in this is that this is where it really gets dangerous. It's like for Indonesia, for example, or any government that says, all right, we're going to put a tariff, just like Lalo said, it's going to be difficult to control. Well, you go up further up the chain until you get what's the one area that all the that digitally controlled stuff goes through or um, digitally offered things. And that's the internet service providers. And that's where the government will put their. What I was going to say that what I found was that um, on the article, they, they cited a few things on there that ironically, by adding tariffs on digital or electronic products, you think you're going to get more revenue, but it actually will hurt your GDP by a lot more. I just read that. Exponentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot more than 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 raising money through tariffs, like Andy said. So, I mean, it they're basically have studies that have shown that, and and they're just saying it's it's it'll just kill like the small and medium businesses. Well, and that's the thing. Anytime you raise taxes, it's it generally is a negative on the GDP. If you lower taxes, it actually it helps and 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 grows the GDP. But they, here here's the other thing about this: those that are in government administrations, as they start hitting this, they come across it. And this is why it's important, folks, that if you're involved in any trade associations. Even in your local elections to your national elections and all, you need to be aware of who your representatives are and, in, you know, talk to them and, and voice your opinion. But the point being is, as they're going through there, the government looks at it. Look at all this revenue we are missing out on. That's why they look at it. They don't look at it as your money. They look at it as, hey, that's government money that we're not collecting. 
And it's something, and, and that's why this pendulum starts going down that road. And it's like, man, you got to stop that stuff. That's kind of, I mean, that is wild. I feel like this is still going to be an unfolding story, obviously. Like this, I, I mean, I, I feel like this should be on more um, news outlets at this point. It should be all over. But clearly, they're still kind of unfolding this and it nothing has like been set. But it is pretty crazy to think about. And I definitely did not know about uh, many of those things before. I was very unsure about this article, but seems very interesting. If anybody um, out there is an expert in this particular area and want to come on our show, we would, would love awesome. to talk with you and debate it yeah. or, or talk through this, especially if you're, you know, if you're a government uh, entity that's looking at this and you're wanting to, to push it forward, come talk to us so we can look at this and see, and let's debate the issue. If you're for it or against it, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that would be awesome. So learned a lot again. I, I mean, it's crazy what you can learn in like 20, 30 minutes. Oh, I do have a fun fact. No, this actually, okay. Thank you for reminding me. I actually did not have a fun fact this week, but I have even, something even better, uh, which is crazy that I would even say that because it's very compliance based and it's like, what, well, Annie, this is not a fun fact. But it's such a crazy story. Well, yeah, it might be a fun fact, right? So Seagate like Technology is fined, based in Fremont, California, $300 million because dun, 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 they messed up their compliance issues. So they had been shipping their hard drives to, I don't know if I say this right. What, how do you say this word? Huawei. 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 For over Huawei. a year. Huawei. Okay, I'm just going to not. Well, Huawei <laughs> is, you're talking about, that's, that's the company, the Chinese company, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, co over, the company so that got sanctioned. Goes, yeah. For over a year after BIS put them on the en entity list. As a result, they were, they were slapped with, you know, okay, you know what? I'm actually reading this um, LinkedIn post. I shouldn't be doing that. So it just it seems like an article. No, I saw this on LinkedIn and this was crazy to me. Like this is basically because this, this LinkedIn post kind of talked about, you know, you should hug your compliance professionals today because they're really saving your life or not life, but business, right? Because 300 million, how are you going to recover? If you don't have that money, you're going to have to liquidate all your assets. You're done. You're going to have to start up from scratch. Don't want that. So this is why we have this podcast and this is why Global Training Center exists to help mm -hmm. people or businesses empower you succeed. with the skills and knowledge. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> that's exactly. And you know what? These kind of articles kind of uh, circle back at this point. If you're a business and you just heard that or you read that LinkedIn post, you better get you signed up for a seminar, webinar, whatever it is, or you talk to us and see what you can do. Anyways, that was my f not so fun fact. Feel sorry for that company, but you know, um, Got to get better. We only get better. <laughs> We're just talking through all this. We keep going through. Folks, I know you're busy with your day in and day out life, but you need to, especially if you're a manager or director or VP of compliance, and I'm talking import-export compliance, you need to really look and work and, and develop a relationship with your uh, the audit group within your uh, your company or your accounting or whatever, and check to see who are you doing business with when you're selling goods, 
where are those people at and find out. And, and again, that comes back to the sanction list or the, the, the denied parties and restricted party screening. Somebody apparently was not sending, um, they they didn't vet who their client was. And, uh, so they, you know, they, they didn't check it somehow as how you would circumvent that. And it cost them. This is a great start to your week. You're going to have lots of new articles to share with your coworkers, blah, blah, blah. Talk to everyone, but don't forget to like subscribe and follow us. And definitely reach out to us if you have any questions. We love our listeners. We're so grateful for you. Um, well, that's on my part. I guess I'm only doing the moderation on this show, but I ho- I know that Lalo and Andy are very appreciative of their fans or, you know, listeners, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, yeah, so we're just going to wrap it up. Have a great start to your week. And, yeah, see you next week. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.